Welcome back, Kafka and Bond listeners. We're here with episode 84. And Tony, I'm coming from you from the country and I can hear the birds chirping and it's peaceful here. Sounds wonderful, Jamie. So it's um, very envious. Um, I'd, I'd much prefer to be playing with cows right now. <laughs> I'd love to see you with your farm shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> they're flannel. Is that what they're called? Flannel? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I can imagine. But, Tony, look, today's we're, we're going to raise an interesting topic, in my opinion. So I've come up with the topic. Well, actually, I haven't come up with the topic. My partner, Jess, has come up with the topic. But we were discussing... Um, a comment that comes across every now and then that, you know, it's too late for me to invest or it's too late for me to grow wealth. You know, I'm at the end of my career and, and I find that a false statement. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it is too. So it's, uh, it's interesting because uh, the gent who said that I think is a year younger than me. Uh, and it's just like, well, I've still got 55 years before I die. So it's, uh, <laughs> so it's um, I'm, I'm nowhere near uh, finish reinvesting. No, but I, I don't think you're ever too young or ever too old. And as you know, we've got lots of clients who actually, uh, start doing investments for their grandkids in one in one case, actually for their great grandchildren. Um, you know, who've been, so, and so on that basis, it's, it's never too young and you're certainly never too old. The strategies differ depending on the individual's wealth at the time as well. So for example, if you have, you know, somebody who's worth a absolute fortune and they're retired, they don't necessarily have to go for growth. They don't have to do gearing strategies. They don't have to borrow money because they've already got it. It's more about capital preservation and making sure legacy left is for many generations to come. And then if you got the, you know, the, um, you know, the 20 year old who, decides that they want to buy property in four years and still living with mum and dad and got good savings because they're working. Uh, once again, uh, you know, good opportunity. So I don't think it, once again, you're ever too young, nor are you ever too old. No. And I, I think it's, you're talking about, it's just different strategies. And we've talked about risk a lot in the past and, and things like asset allocation, but that is that conversation around risk. You know, what, what are you willing to do um, investment wise to, to reach your goals? And, and, you know, we use great tools within Kafka and Bond to be able to show our clients, you know, if we take these steps and we reach these returns and, and you know, you can take this risk, then you can achieve the goals if you really want to. Yeah, I think so. But I think, first of all, somebody has to understand why they're saving and what, they're, what they have a goal. And I've discussed this in other podcasts. You actually, if you, to, to have an incentive to do something, you have to have a reason to do it. And it doesn't matter what that incentive is, you know, it's, um, you know, it's uh, whether it's to stay alive longer, whether it's to look better, whether it's to uh, buy a different house or, you know, to expand your business. If, if you don't actually have a reason for it, you're not going to be dedicated to actually doing it. So, um, so I think that's the most important part, but, you know, also too, you, you spoke about things like risk allocation and things like that. And I'm not going to harp on other podcasts that we've had, but, you know, you, you, you've got to look beyond the marketing spin and have a look at where the underlying investments, where things are, things like that. And it's amazing how a lot of um, managers um, or super funds or industry super funds will always have marketing spin based on the best outcome that suits their marketing, obviously. Um, and, you know, have a look at our last 15 year performance. The moment they start talking about that, you know, the last 12 months has been woeful. So it's, um, you know, and what, what is the, and what is the risk? So it really comes down to, but to get back to your original thing is you're never too old to invest. I mean, our oldest client, uh, is 92 years old. I just turned 92. I'm going to see him next week. 
Um, you know, he's, he's still as fit as a fiddle. He's he's um, he's a St Kilda supporter, and he he barracked for them because the year he came to Australia, they won the grand final, and he's been waiting ever <laughs> since. So he's been waiting a long time ever since, poor old Les. Um, but you know, it's it really comes down to the fact of Les is still an investor. Les still takes an active interest in his portfolio. Uh, he he asked me uh, actually when this uh, COVID pandemic hit. He said, you know, Tony, should I be taking more risk? And I said, why? Um, first of all, Liz, you're actually not going to run out of money. That's number one. Uh, you're leaving your kids who are older than me, um, who are also clients and his grandkids and his great grandkids, uh, more funds than they'll be able to utilize. So it's a, so the legacy is still living on, but so why do you actually want to take more risk? Um, you know, I understand, and we've had lots of phone calls with low interest rates at the moment, obviously, with low bank interest rates, virtually zero bank interest rates. But the opportunity that comes with very, the downside to very low interest rates, of course, is cash annuities and bonds are paying very low returns. Yeah. Um, and that's all obviously the defensive side of a portfolio. So clients think, well, does that mean I have to take more risk to get a decent return? But also too, the potential downside to that, of course, is, you know, markets, markets uh, have rallied, especially in the last three days with the changes we've made. And that's not because of our changes, but uh, the chain timing was actually quite good. But the, the basis of what they're looking at is do they then have to take more risk? So when somebody has been used to getting an 8% return per annum, it's really hard to start getting a 3% return. But 3% yeah. return is actually, you know, th virtually 30 basis points more, uh, sorry, 300 basis points more than the cash rates at the moment. So, yeah. so I guess with cash rates um, so low and interest rates so low, then, you know, gearing strategies are considered. Um, Perfect and, opportunity, yeah. And, and people are looking into it. So, you know, when we talk about an older investor, the Australian dream is to own a home. Um, yeah. But, you know, when we look at investment properties, you've got interest rates that are so low at the moment, um, you know, property prices haven't. We're, it's interesting. I looked at property prices around Murder for a town of 3,000 people and they're, they're sky high at the moment. Um, and only climbing is people are moving out of the cities because they can work from home um, as we're doing now. But, you know, there's so, the sorry, Jamie, sorry, Jamie, is that a hint? No, it's not a hint. I'm coming back <laughs> over. But, you know, as an older person, they're looking to get into property. But as younger people as well, there's also gearing strategies. Absolutely. So it's, um, I mean, think, think of the 50 year old, should they go and buy an investment property? Maybe yes, maybe no, depends on the circumstances. And this is obviously no advice, this podcast. Uh, but with interest rates so low, you could virtually be 95% geared um, and still be positively geared, yeah. um, you know, because interest rates are so low and rents, you know, are pretty decent at the moment. Obviously, there's there's a lot higher than normal vacancy rates of properties right now uh, because a lot of kids went and moved back with mum and dad when COVID hit and they lost their jobs. They might've been in the share house or something like what you were when you first came down to Melbourne, you, you and 17 other guys in two rooms. <laughs> so it was, um, but, in a warehouse at one stage, but, yes. <laughs> yeah, but it's, um, you know, even Willard is still, I mean, they're all, all good friends, but even Willard's place is a, is a bit of a share house or just a drop in, uh, you know, drop in house anyway. But, but, you know, the case is, is that people have lost their jobs all of a sudden, you know, did have the opportunity to move back home with mum and dad or the likes of my kids never moved out. Uh, so it's, um, but it really then say, okay, 
if you're going to buy an investment property, is the is it the you know right time or to buy now or will I overpay? Now that question has been asked for the last twenty years. Uh, you know, so markets seem high. Is it the right time to buy? And as the late and probably greatest uh, real estate agent, uh, certainly around the beach area, South Melbourne, Albert Park area, uh, John Holdsworth, you know, once said is, you never pay too much for a property in Albert Park. Uh, all you have to do is wait a couple of years and you'll have made your money back anyway. So, and you know, he's, he'd been doing that for 50 years and he was right all, for every one of those decades all the way through. It didn't matter where you bought in the cycle, you always did quite well. And that's not saying rush out and buy investment properties, by the way, but it's but it when you've got really good rents and really low interest rates, yeah, there, there's that can spur on growth because people can afford. But secondly, too, Jamie, the younger people who can't necessarily afford a property uh, Sorry, right one now. Thing on, one thing on the property, yeah. too, Tony, I guess just when we're talking strategies as well, though, is you know, growth might not be the strategy of what you're looking for. It might be income. Um, and yeah. you know, if you're looking, well, you're talking about good rent, and I'm, you know, we're all looking for growth. We don't want the property going backwards. That's not what I'm trying to say here. But yeah. you know, you, you might be trying to hold on to that property in retirement um, and use the income that you're receiving once you pay it off. And as you said, with interest rates are so low, you you don't have to have a loan for 30 years. Um, <laughs> you know, that's what that's what's offered. You know, you can look to pay it off over 15, and then the income you're going to receive for the rest of your life while you hold that property. Um, yeah, and but also, but also too, Jamie. There's we've got a lot of clients now, which is probably unheard of thirty years ago. But a lot of clients who um, are downsizing in retirement. Yeah. Um, they own they own the house in Sydney, um, for, which is now worth two and a half million, three million bucks, and they're going and buying their uh, retirement home now, uh, two hours outside in the, uh, Sydney, up on the beach, um, and basically they're buying it now and Airbnb it now. Uh, with a view to in five years' time selling their place for two and a half, three million bucks, uh, paying off the you know the million dollar mortgage up in the beach and living in a house bigger on their downsizing, going to the beach and playing tennis every day. And you know I'm quoting a couple clients there, but it's um, but so the the idea of downsizing was something that was unheard of a couple of decades ago. Now these people are only a decade older than me, uh, but they're actually now looking at doing that and. And but uh, I, I, I want to say this is where the opportunity actually lies. Obviously, is that they've built up good equity, and if they do do that and they sell their home in retirement and downsize, because it's their principal place of residence, and no capital gains tax on that. So basically, it's a case of they might uh, they might have six hundred thousand or five hundred thousand or six hundred thousand their superannuation. They sell their house, they downsize. All of a sudden in retirement, they're living off $2 million and got a beautiful beach house uh, for a million bucks up the coast where, where they've always wanted to retire anyway. And, and you know, that, that's what happens. It happens in Sydney. It happens in Victoria. Um, I remember when I was actually went swimming this morning with a good friend of mine, Terry, and he just bought a beach house up in Ocean Grove which Airbnb. Now, Terry is uh, 58. Uh, he looks 38 in the X13. Uh, but he's just he's just went and bought him and Angela have just bought a beach house up in Ocean Grove. Now he's just become a grandfather for the first time, but they've gone and done that and they're Airbnb it. And you know they they could eventually retire up there. It wouldn't surprise me if they do. Which is you know retirement for Terry is about ten years away. Um, but and, and their their goal is they've got 
extra cash flow. They don't have a mortgage anymore. So they're actually paying down that debt. And that's now the thing is though, is that they can, they can retire and sell their property here, no capital gains tax, live on the beach. And once again, have a very healthy retirement. Um, and that happens everywhere, but it, you've also got the other extent too. Once again, when interest rates are low, um, the opportunity to invest is great. And we've got some, you know, young clients, magnificent young clients, earning good money, you know, in IT, in nursing, uh, in a whole range of things. And they, they set up the uh, equity loans and they repay them, you know, over, uh, well, you know, uh, Josh has one. Uh, but basically repaid over a couple of years, um, don't have, doesn't have to be a 10 year loan. And the, these, these kids, um, you know, a lot closer to your age, Jamie, than mine, uh, but these, these kids are doing exceptionally well with their investments yeah. uh, because they've got four savings because they have to have a loan repayment. Uh, yeah. And you, loan repayments are four savings. So all of a sudden, even if they earn no interest, in one year's time, they're, uh, $10,000 plus 10,000 of borrowings, they've repaid the $10,000 in one year's time, even with no interest, they've got $20,000 all of a sudden. Now the question then gets asked is, would you have saved that $800 a month uh, if you didn't have that debt? Yeah, if you didn't have to repay it, if you didn't have that debt. I mean, if you borrow money from your parents, you never get it repaid, you know, as I know. So it's, <laughs> so it's uh, but- my, par my parents are well aware of that one as well. Uh, yes, they don't know. And, and you know, it's, uh, if you ever ask them for money, they've got a good financial planner. Who would tell them, no, <laughs> do not give it to him. <laughs> so it's, uh, Sasha, maybe, Jamie, I'm not too sure about you. <laughs> so it's, um, but, you are, but you are right. Like it is that, you know, it's a comment that comes across where people say, I'm good at paying my bills and I'm good at getting through this, but I can just never save money. And when I see the cash, I spend it. So um, then have another bill. Yeah, have another have bill. Another, have another repayment. Have a reason for that. Yeah, and, and it's proven strategy and it's work. So, you know, it's interesting. You're never too young to invest, mind you. There's limits on anyone under the age of 18. They do have to go through their parents unless they're, they're using a bank account. That's about that's about all they have access to. Um, yep. You know, there is some other ways. But, yeah, it, it isn't too – you can start investing from the day you turn 18 and, and look at all your options. Um, and, and, again, you can start looking at 90. What are my options at that stage? But also to Jamie, even the in-between ages. So once again, my age, it's, uh, you know, people might say, oh, it's too late to invest. You turn up to work every day. And if you're earning, you're going to work and you're earning a hundred grand a year, there's nine and a half thousand dollars being invested for you annually, just through compulsory superannuation. You're an investor, whether you actually know it or not. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and if you got it, the difference between you know accepting losses and and, and higher fees. Um, that's right. For that extra bit percent, there's a difference in in the next ten years. Well, it was interesting that um, I did a review on one client where uh, the recommended superannuation fund we looked at was eighty dollars more expensive than one they had. Um, eighty dollars is obviously you know. Uh, a month or well, probably a week for some people's worth of cappuccinos, but it's um, but basically it was a case of that eighty bucks was negligible. But what was interesting is the underlying investments. So the underlying investments was they currently had ninety percent growth assets, and for the last five years had averaged a twenty percent less return uh, than a portfolio that only had seventy percent in growth assets and didn't have any negative downside over any rolling twelve-month period. Um, so as I said, don't be fooled by slick marketing. Uh, yeah. That's why advertisers get paid so much money. 
get, have an understanding of what the underlying investments are. Because in this case, paying that extra $80 is well worth it as well. But they are an investor, so make sure it's invested according to their risk profile. Uh, and everyone's risk profile differs, you know, so it's, um, as I said, Les wanted to take more risk. I said, no, he just doesn't have to. So it's, uh, we're just in a low, a low interest environment world. That's life. Uh, but that doesn't mean you should take on more risk when you're 92 years old and you don't need to take on more risk. Yep. Yeah. So it's, um, but it, it comes down to if interest rates are so low, take advantage of it uh, by using borrowed funds. Uh, if you have a million dollars sitting in a superannuation fund and you're retired and you're living off uh, a term deposit interest rate, I hope you enjoy your seven and a half thousand a year because you're not getting the age pension because you have too much in assets. Uh, so you actually have no choice but to be an investor, but be a wise investor. Don't just go and buy bank stock and BHP and Telstra. You know, so actually be a wise investor. Love it. Tony, thank you very much for your time today. I think it's an interesting topic and one that we come across a lot. Um, and look, I think it comes through a lot of our podcasts, um, these sort of, you know, this sort of feeling and these questions. Um, and we talk about it a lot, but it was good to focus on it a little bit today. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you, Jamie. All right, team. We'll talk later.